This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, and joined, as always, by Stephen Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, how are you? Good. So, uh, Matt, this will be tricky today, right? Joining by, joining by Zoom instead of in front of everybody. Yeah, the usual seasonal colds. Getting that, me. Seasonal everything. Uh, Yeah. So today we're going to chat a little bit about uh, just mobile scams in general. Uh, And I think from our standpoint, you know, things to watch out for, maybe creative tricks that people use nowadays as as I think we're getting to be more and more sort of mobile friendly all the time. You know, everybody walking around with their cell phones. You know, I know a lot of people who practically don't use a laptop anymore and almost live on their on their devices. So. You know, honestly, the first one that jumps out to me, it, it, it feels new, I think, just because of the prevalence of it, was QR scanning, QR code scanning uh, at a recent conference that I went to. Um, every, every single uh, trifold, you know, notification board, every presentation, every badge, like you couldn't get away from scanning QR codes. And that's all people did for the entire conference. Uh, it doesn't seem like much of a threat, and they've been around for ten years, longer, longer. Yeah, yeah. It, it, honestly, I had to when we were talking about this in advance. I had to set aside some of my own perspectives. I mean, the, the problem of seeing a link get delivered via QR code has been around forever. It's just now everyone can experience that problem. Yeah, well, I think more fun for all. Well, they're on. I mean, they're on cereal boxes, right? So now all of a sudden. At least it seems like all of a sudden they're pre-presented everywhere where it was maybe you know, a niche or a neat little thing for some period of time. I feel like it's the way now to get people to you know drive them to a web page. So it just seems like there's so much opportunity there to use them maliciously. I mean, you're scanning them blindly. You have no idea what that little square symbol means. Yeah, it's, it's also gotten a lot easier. Like the user experience is much more straightforward now. Before you used to have to have you know a special app on your phone or whatnot. You know, if, for example, if you have an iPhone, just open your camera and it's there. Right? Yes, just click it. the link. That, that wasn't the case before. So I think that's why you're seeing it a lot more often now is that just so much easier. Uh, and they and they work from, at least seemingly, they work from afar. I mean, people were just randomly holding their phones up from, I mean, 40 feet. You might think these big auditorium rooms, maybe more. Yep. Uh, it, it seemed to work. So uh, no shortage of opportunities, I think, to you know, redirect to malicious links or you know, sort of drive people to content that you know, maybe they don't want to see. Right. <clears throat> I think that the most likely scenario here that people would encounter is just that, something deceptive associated with the legitimate business that they're frequenting or something like that, an advertisement, just to get them to land somewhere. What's the impact? I mean, it could be anything, right? could be, hey, give us your money with something that is a, a social issue that's going to drum up some emotional support, right. but is not really legitimately a charity or something like that. Right, right. Or um, it may not even be really a theme of a conference for example, sure. or something like that, right? Right. But I think the, the hardest part is, you know, so often when we're doing security awareness training or education, you know, we always say here, here's the things that you want to look for. If you get a, if you get a phishing email, you know, here's how you hover over a link to find out if it's suspicious or not. It's really hard with the QR code. I mean, they're it is just a, a square bunch of lines, right? Uh, I don't know yeah, where you get that context. The links are usually shortened as well, right. right? So even if you even if you can see it, they'll shorten the link so you don't really know where it's going to get redirected to. Yep. So 
I mean, I like to give people advice and say, you know, be mindful of this. And in this case, I don't, you know, I guess it's trust the source that has, if, if, it's, if it's your Kellogg cereal box, right, it's probably reasonably legitimate. Uh, if it's a street sign that you're walking by in the middle of the city, uh, yeah, I don't buy or beware maybe. Yeah, I mean, same thing sort of applies. Look at the browser. Where is it? Yeah. Is it reasonable? Okay. Yeah. Um, there are ways to preview QR codes, a couple of websites where you can, you know, uh, you can visit them and then take a picture and it will tell you what the actual destination is likely to be. That, that might be a good thing to use or to seek out if if there's uncertainty. But I mean, to your point, there's not much else that you can do. There's not. But they sure are convenient. I'll have to say in, in general, the utility is, is pretty nice. So, you know, I guess just pay attention to what you're what you're taking pictures of for scanning. But, um, the. You know, I think, Steve, one of the ones that you wanted to chat about a little bit was sort of the, the MFA credentials you know, via text message and some of the some of the risks maybe around that because because we see two factor now right as such a it's like it's like the saving grace for the in that authentication chain right and the context that that I was thinking most about was the delivery of a second factor you know code you know if you're logging into a bank website or something like that that doesn't verify your identity except by delivering a text message it's possible to intercept those it's relatively straightforward if you have malicious intent and know when someone is going to actually receive that message to intercept and deliver before they, you know, actually have the ability to use it themselves. But the truth is, um, it was not as easy, um, you know, as recently as a year, three years ago. It was hypothetical. It was a technical problem. It could be achieved, but realistically, um, a bit of a hurdle. Now it's available to anybody who wants to sign up to a less than uh, a less than scrupulous provider of text messaging services. Um, bottom line, you know, the the answer here is be careful about use of services that do text message based multi-factor. Maybe use another option if you have it available. So expand on that for a second, though. In, in like, what's a less than scrupulous provider? So yeah, when I think about it, I think about the. You know, I've, I have a financial institution, and in order to authenticate, it sends me a text message. So I, you know, there's been no, I haven't signed up for anything really at that point. So what I'm referring to are effectively uh, gateways into SMS delivery networks, into uh, cellular delivery networks. There are cell providers that allow third parties to sign up as a vendor and effectively assert the privilege of receiving an SMS for a particular subscriber. Some of those gateways are very good about verifying and ensuring that the uh, entity signing up to uh, assert that they can intercept it is legitimate. Others, less so. Gotcha. That, that, that's all. Um, yeah, um, and also be careful of the device you're using, right? You know, if you're, if you're using a phone that, you know, you've rooted or have modified in any way with software that you, you may not trust. If you're getting text messages for multi-factor, that can be an issue. And, you know, I think, Steve, I believe that was a recent uh, FireEye issue, right? That's how they discovered um, a pretty large uh, operation out of China, if I remember. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they essentially were able to get into the device that was receiving text messages for multi-factor and uh, were able to, to then multi-factor themselves into services. And that's, that's how they spread their, their malware. Uh, but yeah, 
basically just look to make sure that the provider has some type of app-based authentication. Try not to use the text messages. Financial institutions, I have to say, are the biggest um, violator of that rule, right. though. It's, it's amazing, right? They probably have the most resources out of most companies out there, and they seem to be lagging behind in that MFA space. It's, it's true. It's mind-boggling. So, so you know, is it lagging behind, or is it just trying to, to, to establish the most basic way to provide that second factor to I, the broadest audience? I think it's both. They're using third-party providers to um, deliver mobile banking gateways. Like your your average credit union doesn't have their own infrastructure for that stuff. They use right. uh, a, a bigger entity that provides that stuff. And unfortunately, the lowest common denominator is the easiest thing right. to implement. And therefore, that's the way they all go for the average Joe who doesn't have a smartphone. Or at least that's the demographic they were building for with those apps. Yeah, originally. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to look more into this, there's a great article by Brian Krebs about um, – uh, impersonating customers and requesting service to be transferred to other carriers, which is the usual way that this is accomplished. Uh, Krebs on security has a good article on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always got good stuff, right? So, um, so you know, since we're talking financial, then maybe segueing a little bit into the sort of the, the mobile payments and some of the challenges uh, there, maybe a little less of, say, the, the mobile scam. And I think, you know, just being careful about where you send money, it's, it, you know, it's certainly easy to make a mistake and send funds to the wrong person because they have a similar handle. Um, but I think it's also, frankly, it's easy in a lot of these services. Like Venmo is is a popular platform that almost, I, I guess you would call it social payments, right? Every payment you made can potentially be visible. And it's pretty trivial to look for high volume uh, sort of payees, create an account that looks similar and hope that you know, somebody mistakenly sends you money. Right? You know, that maybe... You know, there's still a, there's still a, an important component of the sender to verify that they're sending it to the right person, but it, it's pretty trivial to, to trick somebody in that case. Um, I don't really understand why you know sort of mobile payment information you know needs to be social. Quite frankly, you know, I, I opt out of all of that and really try to just you know pay people basically like I traditionally have, right, reasonably anonymously and and discreetly. But you know that move to uh, sort of the, the, the more social and visible payment chain, I think provides some opportunity for people to, to take advantage of. Yeah, I think that industry really kind of jumped on the fact that most people don't carry cash around anymore and they want, everyone's got a phone, so you want to be able to transfer payments back and forth easily. Um, but yeah, it, it opened up a doorway for for stuff like this, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Shouting from the rooftop that I gave you 20 bucks to repay a, you know, a bar tab, I don't quite get it. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that truly is the that that eighteen year old mindset, but I certainly don't have it. But I think you know it's important. It's it's just another example of where you know being a little bit more mindful of of sort of your privacy and some of the things that you do provides you a modicum of safety, right? And and if you don't, there's there's some opportunity here, I think, for potential scams to occur. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, using the payment segue as sort of a uh, skip to another similar subject delivery of messages that sort of entice payment because you've missed a payment or because right. your payment's overdue or your card was declined or something like that. One that I use as a reference in this particular case are text messages purporting to be from Netflix about your very important Netflix subscription not being processed because of a payment failure. You might click it. Right. The truth is they can fire blindly. Everybody 
most everybody has a Netflix subscription. Therefore, yeah, you might believe it. And that that's the sort of thing. You know, orders that are being made, please right. verify your shipment, things of that sort. Um, especially in the last two years, uh, UPS and FedEx are family friends now. Right. It, and, and there's crazy vendors out there. So it isn't. You know, it, it, if you're if you've got a you know a spouse or you know you've got a variety of people who might be ordering things, it's potential that you would get a text message from some vendor that you've never heard of that is a legitimate order. So it's so easy to dupe somebody in that chain to think, ah, geez, did I buy this six dollar item three weeks ago that I kind of forgot about? I better check and see where it is. They work. There's there's no question about it. You're seeing more and more of those order spoofing texts come in. Yeah, a lot of contractors nowadays too. They'll They'll allow you to pay through Venmo or something like that. That, that I'd always be careful of, right? Especially if you've got work done. Use your regular payment pro- processing methods, right? Avoid things like Venmo to pay a contractor to do work. Um, so what's the, I, I'm kind of curious. What's your rationale for that? And, and actually, you know, it's funny when you said use your normal payment processing. I think to myself, you know, what is that nowadays? Is it a check for your contract? <laughs> like what is the normal path? Sure. So, I mean, you know, cut a PO, cut a check to these people, transfer it through an ACH or something like that. Um, if you've got come, someone come, this is typically like trade work where you'll get someone to come and do some some work for you. You have no idea if you're actually paying that person or the company. Um, you know, if if they do ask you to do Venmo, maybe just call the, the company headquarters and say, hey, you know, are you actually asking for this? Uh, what you don't want to do is end up sending money to the wrong people, um, thinking that you've actually paid for the service you got and that's not the case. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is interesting now, you know, it used to be so easy to hand, you know, a $20 bill to somebody and, and sort of know that they got it. Although I guess that was you know, reasonably untraceable later if somebody said, well, I just never received it, but you know, it is easy to pay the wrong person. Um, it, you know, a variety of mistakes in that chain can certainly happen. Uh, but I think your point is well made about paying an individual versus paying a business. I mean, that, that's, that's a real potential outcome there. Yeah, I mean, even if you paid in cash, though, they'd, they'd write your receipt, right? So you'd right. have something to at least go back with. I mean, you pay on Venmo and you pay the wrong person. Yeah, you're, you're not getting that money back. <laughs> right. Um, curious, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about, you know, push notifications at one point. Um, Steve, I don't know if you want to touch on those or if you feel like you sort of covered that with some of these. Uh, I, I suppose sort of in passing, you know, push notifications and websites and mobile apps and similar, they're they're kind of everywhere now, and many people might allow them without really thinking about what they're doing. It's just another delivery mechanism for an alert that might be, you know, deceptive. That's all that really needs to be said about them. Uh, be careful about what you're agreeing to. Yeah. Um, I, I think that more than that, I'd like to, to shift to the, the spoofing context, because I think it's the bigger problem in most of this conversation. Really... Text messages can be spoofed. Phone calls can be spoofed. We all receive far too many uh, from providers that, you know, aren't really the folks who are calling, really. Um, and it's a, it's a side effect of the way that phone, uh, phone networks work, ultimately. There's no requirement that the actual originating network validate that the caller is who they claim to be. And that's changing gradually. Um, there's... There's a new, uh, similar to SSL certificate type of solution to validating the originating caller out in the the mobile world. It's called Shake and Stir. It's, you know, taking some time to actually get rolled out. 
you might see this being advertised as, you know, spam call prevention or, you know, deceptive call uh, apps that are being provided by Verizon, T-Mobile, or others. You know, enroll in them. They help. It's just a filter. You might as well not get, get taken when you're expecting to be called by, you know, a, a number that, you know, is used in that capacity. It's, you know, it, it's interesting. On the one hand, I don't know that I pick up my phone ever. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I think the, the, the risk of being spoofed is getting lower and lower simply because of that. I, I, don't, I almost don't trust any number that comes in anymore. Um, but I have seen Verizon, which, which is my carrier, you know, I think they do a pretty decent job of labeling uh, incoming calls as potential spam you know, pretty regularly. Uh, they don't get all of them. And I would say when I do brave and, and pick it up, um, almost always it is spam. I just I don't feel like I ever get you know something that's not already in my contacts f- as a as a legitimate call anymore, which, which is a challenge. Well, here, here's the problem to some degree: the carriers used to charge for call filtering. That's no longer the case as of you know 2018, 2019. But there's a men- there's an expectation out there that using those capabilities is actually more expensive, and I think that that's actually, to some degree, encouraged the continued proliferation of these spoofing calls and text messages. And it's a really unfortunate problem. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 I guess I just don't know who, who answers their phone anymore uh, and you know, who this stuff works on. And, and frankly, how do, you know, how do legitimate callers get a hold of people? I, I mean, I suppose it's just leave a, leave, a, leave a message and hope that somebody checks it and potentially calls back. But... I mean, my phone rings all the time, and 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 frankly, right? I'm in a, a business development business where you know phone calls could be useful, but I rely on email, I rely on text messages from trusted people. Yeah, the the, the phone has largely become useless to me in many ways, except for an outgoing device. That's a that's a depressing end to the conversation to some degree. I, I mean, but but do you disagree? How often do you pick your phone up? I don't. I don't disagree. I think the message ultimately yeah. is the same that we always share. Verify. Yeah. Make sure that you have the communication from an entity you believe should be communicating with you, and even then, distrust it. You know, go to their website, call them. Don't, don't take the action requested. I feel same I, old story. I feel perkier already after after that description. <laughs> I feel all kinds of better. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think if, you know, there are so many ways. I just, I feel like this whole conversation is. How do you avoid being tricked by people who are attempting in some way to communicate with you, right? And whether that communication occurs through a QR code or a phone call or you know, a spoofed text message, I mean, that's what all these things are, right? It's try to get you to engage in some sort of a dialogue, uh, whether it be you know, verbal or electronic, um, and then you, to some degree trick you. So I don't, this is that uplifting a conversation, I think, <laughs> from the start. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything else on it, but... If Microsoft claims to be calling you to provide tech support right. for your system, it, it's not them. Just hang up. Right. But it, you know, but they work. And that's what we see time and time again in all of this stuff. You know, they do it. They do it in volume because it doesn't take that many people for it to be lucrative. And as with all of these things, you know, they're, they're financial scams at, at their most basic. Uh, so I think just being sort of being mindful of that, you know, as always being somewhat vigilant and thinking through a little bit, you know, kind of what's going on. And if, and if you don't know the source, you'll give it a second thought and, and really, and really be mindful about what you're doing in these activities. Uh, 
Any parting thoughts at all? Seen a lot of head shaking. I think we've covered this adequately today. Uh, all right. Well, as always, uh, you know, thanks for joining us here on CyberSound. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via Vancord at LinkedIn or Vancord Security at Twitter, uh, you know, we're always happy to get feedback. Uh, if you heard something that you don't just that you don't agree with, uh, feel free to let us know. Uh, you know, any feedback is is interesting and gets the conversation started. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, have a good day. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cybersound.